Good morning. Yes, good morning again. When I was uh, much, much younger, when I was well, way back in high school, I gave a, gave a lesson at, uh, at uh, Chapel in, in Western, and uh, they had different guys, you know, in high school that would give the lesson, and, and it was intended to, you know, to train and to help and to, you know, get a little more at, at ease in, in public speaking and, and all of those things, and so it was, a, it was kind of a good time, a good idea to, you know, try different things and do different things, and, and some of the what was said was always, you could tell if people put any thought into it or if it was, oh, I forgot that I was on this morning and I'll go up. Anyway, this one time I had a lesson that I had called uh, Jesus is Calling. And uh, it was uh, quite a few years ago. It's not the same lesson this morning. If you're thinking, okay, he's pulled one out from high school, that's, that's not what's happening here. But I remember it because... Uh, cell phones were kind of a new thing that's kind of you know dating myself but cell phones were a, a new thing and and so I actually had a phone with me at the at the podium and at the right time I had someone in the crowd was dialing the number and when I said Jesus is calling the phone rang and that was the make sure you're listening you know Jesus is is calling you know Jesus is is calling you know my phone's not going to ring this morning I have the ringer off so hopefully that's not the analogy you take out of that, but you know, Jesus is calling. The, the path that we're on is is a fairly narrow one, right? Scripture describes the, the path that we walk as a narrow path. And, and I've and I've different times I've, I've used that analogy and looked at that and said, okay, but but how narrow is the path? What does a narrow path look like? Is it one foot in front of the other? Is it smaller than even the width of your, your foot that you're walking on this, this tightrope? And the reality is that when you think of the path as narrow, you probably shouldn't be trying to define for yourself the width of the path. Because when we try to define for ourselves the width of the path, what are we trying to do? Well, how far can I, if I'm walking the center, how far can I go one way or the other? When really the reality of that narrow path, and it's pictured as such, is so that we focus on walking the center that we come to the narrow path and desire to stay on it and to stay within the confines of what God has called us to be. Because if we get off that narrow path, and it doesn't matter to which degree you get off, you get off that, that narrow path, you compare it to the wide path, that wide path leads to where? Scripture again is fairly clear on this, the wide path leads uh, to destruction. And so we're, we're called to be on this this narrow of paths. There's no comparison. There, there's no comparison between the two. They are just so different. The, the narrow path has us set on, on a path that leads to God. God who is holy and right and true and righteous and loving and kind and good and not just in portions. You know, often we, we think of people, okay, well, that, that person's he's fairly kind. Like, we want to put that qualifier in there because he's not kindness personified. But God is goodness. He is truth. He is love. He is light. He is all of these things. And the narrow path leads to him. 
and the wide path leads away from him to a point where there will be separation from God. There is no moral compass, there is no limits, there is no boundaries, there is no right, there is no wrong on the wide path. It just is. You do what you want. And some people have embraced that and said, okay, well, that's, that's the way life should be. We should be able to set for ourselves these things. And we will decide as humans with our own clarity what it is to live a good life. But who is good except God? Now, you can choose that life. That life is an option. The wide path is there to walk on if you so see it, if you see fit to, to get on it and walk it. But understand this. It leads to your destruction. It will lead. And, and Scripture tells us it leads ultimately to death. And we get confused by that because we think death is this physical end. But it's not leading to a death that is an end. It is leading to an eternity of death. And the eternity of death is the separation from Him who is life. And so it will go on for all eternity. This death, this destruction of those who have chosen to walk the, the path that is wide. We have an enemy the enemy that wants all of mankind to fall away from God. And he has all of these different avenues, all of these different paths that he will try to separate you from God to get you to walk down these things. And he will entice in so many different ways. He will tempt. And all of them are false and they all lead away from God and his will. And we have this relatively small amount of time to understand that, to, to understand and see the trap of those temptations and to come to God and to walk the path that is narrow. It's fairly doom and gloom, but the world is fading away. The world will come to an end just as each and every one of us will come to an end. Do we understand that to be the reality? Do we understand that? There's a few that are nodding their head. For the most part, we're still maybe contemplating it. It's not always the, the nicest thought to think that the world is coming to an end, that our lives are drawing to an end, but that's the reality each day. Now, we don't have to live with that doom and gloom. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we live with the reality that we are called to follow one who has said, I will come again like a thief in the night, so you better be prepared. You better be ready. And so we walk this path that is narrow. Jesus is calling us. So what happens then? What happens when Scripture also then tells us, but you've already all messed up. You've already all missed the mark. All have fallen short of the glory of God. How do we then rectify that and say, okay, well, I'm supposed to stay on this narrow path, but I've already messed it up. As Raymond has already talked about the Lord's table, 
by and large, and again, he also said that there's other reasons, but by and large, that's why we're here. And it's really the only reason that we can be here is because Jesus has died for us to give us an opportunity to once again be on the path that is narrow. And he's called us to understand that we need to repent of our sins and come back to him. And inherent in the idea of repentance is the coming back to him. So we need to repent of our sins. And we need to do it while we still can. Because life is is short. We need to draw near to God. We need to draw near to life. And not hold on to our own sin. If we hold on to our, our own sin, we are walking a path that is wide, and it leads to destruction. And God says that he will wash those away for us. He will wash them away. And he will remember them no more. They will be removed from us so that we can have life. That we can be forgiven. They will no longer be an account of those things. Now we'll have to stand before our God. And we'll have to give an account of our life. But we will be washed clean. Because God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to be his child. Not just in name, not just in presence being here, but in reality, he wants you to be his child, that you turn to him as father, as as Lord, as God, and give your life over to him in the service of of him, to use the the living bodies that we have as a sacrifice for him, as a a spiritual act of, of worship in a physical world, to be his. And to gain, to gain from that eternal life. Not that it is just this amazing gift that's separate from our relationship with God, but it is inherent in a relationship with God because we draw near to God and God is life. And we have this closeness to Him. Turn into, into Luke. We're going we're gonna to look at the idea of Jesus' uh, Jesus's calling this morning. And in Luke chapter 5, we get a description or we get a an account of Jesus calling uh, the first disciples. And I want to I look at that because I think it offers a, a little bit of insight into the idea that Jesus is calling and what that looks like. So in, so in Luke chapter 5, it says, This one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so we're going to get into the next part, but just think about that now. Okay, so there's such a crowd that Jesus wants to be able to face the, the entire crowd. So they'll be standing on the shore, and he will go off into the boat just a, a little distance so that he can sit in the boat and then speak to the entire crowd instead of having the crowd all around him. Because if you have a crowd all around you, right, what happens? You can only speak in one direction, Right? So if I'm speaking to you here, if the crowd was back there, they have a hard time, right? So now he can sit in one and look at the whole crowd. So he sits down in the boat. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will wet down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he, and all, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The, the first thing I want to notice here is that Jesus calls him out, and so they're sitting out in the boat. He speaks to the people, and he gives them the word of God, and they're astonished at, at his teaching. And then he says to Simon Peter, Okay, now I want you to take me out into the water, and I want you to fish. I want you to go back to work. And Simon's reply is what? Man, come on. We, we were just done cleaning the nets from our last time out, and that's hard work. And we had worked all night fishing, and you want us to go now and take those nets that we just cleaned back out, fish again, and then have to come back in and clean those nets again. We've worked hard, okay? We've already worked hard. Leave us alone. That's not exactly what he said, but you can see that in it. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But, but what? There's this recognition, he says, but we've worked so hard already and we've got nothing. There are no fish out there. But what? But, what does it say? Go back in. If you're not following along, follow along. Luke chapter 5. But what? But because you say so, because this is your word, because you've asked us to, we're going to do it. We're going to take our boat. We're going to take our freshly clean nets. Even though we're tired, even though we fished all night and caught nothing, we're going to go back out in the water and we're going to fish again. And I may think I'm going to catch nothing again, but because you say so, I'm going to do it. So him and his partners, they get their net. They've just cleaned. They've just spent all this time fishing and go back out into the water again. Were they really hopeful that they were going to catch something? That's not why they went out. The only reason they went out and did what they did was this. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Do we hear people say, but Christianity is kind of, kind of weird? You know, you meet to, to, to come around the, the table over someone's body and someone's blood and that makes no sense. You, you wash yourselves in a, in a tub of water and that just makes no sense to me. You follow a, a book that was written hundreds if not thousands of years ago in separating even between the, the books that were written. Well, wh why do you do all that? Why do, you, why do you act the way you do? Why do you speak the way you do? What, why do you hold this, this high standard for yourself? Why? Do you want to quote Peter here? But because you say so. Because you say so, I will do this. Because God wants us to do this, we do it. Because we, God wants us to meet together. Because God tells us we're brothers and sisters. Because God tells us that you, you need to repent and be baptized. Because God tells us all of these things, we do it. Because God is right, is he not? And we trust in Him. We have faith in Him. 
Now, Simon's recognition, if you go a little bit later on, Simon's recognition of who Jesus is and, and who he is, he says this, Go away from me, Lord, okay? So expressing that he understands that Jesus is, is Lord. He says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Who is God calling? What does God want? God wants obedience from sinful men. And men as in mankind. God wants obedience from those who are sinful. If God had called only the righteous, who would be here this morning? You don't need to have a show of hands, but how many of you would willing to put up your hand and say, I'd be here this morning? God wants obedience from sinful men. And there's a recognition in this from Peter, first off, of who Jesus is and who he is in comparison. And that, that goes without saying that we should, again, have this same understanding of who Jesus is, but who we are as well, that we can come to him as sinful and be washed clean. And that's who Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling us, as the title here says, calling disciples. He's calling us out of sin, into out of darkness into light, out of sin into righteousness, that we can no longer be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness, slaves to to him, servants of God, children of God. But we have to have that recognition. Well, that's who we are. And then have obedience because God has called us to that. And then understanding again that Jesus then gives him uh, an understanding of what his life will look like. And for us as well, he says, Do not be afraid from now on, you will fish for people. What does that mean? That's kind of a... If you didn't know it meant something else, it'd be kind of an odd saying, wouldn't it? Like Peter's going to be standing on a street corner with his net going, I'll get someone today. That's, that's not what he's doing, right? And yet it's the same thing that he's going to go out and he's going to, to share the gospel. And that gospel will be on people's hearts and it will bring people in. And Peter does that, doesn't he? Not perfectly, but he does that. He goes out and begins to teach and begins to share. He gives a, his life in willingness, even unto death, to teach the gospel. Even when told, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. He goes out and does it again and again and again. So that others can come in and understand. We have that same. Jesus is calling us in the same. And if you want a, a clear picture of that, turn into the very end of Matthew. And what does it tell for us? Go and do what? Teach, preach, baptize, teaching everyone to follow all that I have commanded you. The same call for us is to be disciples, to go out and do those things. All right. So here we have this call. Jesus is, is calling us. This is an easy one. This is uh, the easiest of questions. Do you have ears? Okay. Go ahead and check. Right? If you don't need to check, there's only two ways of checking, right? Well, maybe three. You can ask someone else, one. You can use your own hands, two. Or you can look. You need a mirror if you're going to look. You don't, try, don't try looking yourself. It doesn't work. Do you have ears? All right, nah, yes. Okay, I'm not going to wait for you guys to say yes. You're all, yes, you do. Now they all work to varying degrees, right? Again, yes. My, my grandfather, his ears worked absolutely perfectly. 
when he wanted them to. Like if it was dinner time and grandma said, it's time for dinner, up off the couch and there we go, dinner time. After dinner when it was time for dishes and he said, oh, there's probably some dishes to do. Oh, oh, ears, didn't hear. Do you have ears? Turn into James. I want to read a section from James uh, chapter one. Starting in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who hears or looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Is there a difference between hearing and listening? There's a, there's a fairly wide void sometimes between the hearing and the listening, right? Because you can hear something, right? You can be listening and hear something, and you can hear an instruction, or you can hear a command, or you can hear someone giving good sound advice, and yet, if you do not follow it, were you listening? Well, no. You weren't. And sometimes it, it takes the outcome to, to prove out that you go back and you re-listen to what they, they've said, and then you begin to, to listen. But there's a distinction between hearing and listening. And here it says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Again, kind of an odd quote if you wanted to just pick that one out and take it in isolation. Don't not really listen to the word and so deceive yourself. The word's not deceiving, is it? The deception is that you only listened to it. That's the deception, right? Because what are you actually supposed to be doing? Hear what it says and listen to what it says. And then the, the going from the hearing to the listening is the doing what it says. So read that quote again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We can read God's word from front to back, day in and day out, to the point where we have it absolutely memorized. And that would be wonderful. But you still need to do what it says. With an understanding that, that, that we all gonna, we're all going to have those times. And not, not ones of, of pride or, or anything like that. We're going to have those times where we mess up. And that's why we need to have a, a, a clear understanding of God's word. So that we know those times that we've messed up. That we can come back and as we said earlier, we can repent of, of those things. But on our hearts, we have to always have this 
should always have this desire to do what it says, to be godly. The, the next part is, is interesting to me. Uh, you go back down to the very, the very end of the passage, and it says, uh, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. One of the, the very first parts, I think, of listening, of actually listening and hearing and in the, in the process of doing, is the, the quieting of one's tongue. How many of you have ever said something before your brain engaged? One or two? One or two, three or four? Oh. By the, by the look on some of your faces, you're sheepishly not putting up your hands, but thinking to yourself, okay, yes, I've, I've said something before my brain is engaged. In fact, sometimes you, I've said something and my brain engaged much later. Not even like, oh, I shouldn't have said that like right then, but oh, I shouldn't have said that like two days ago. That's how long the brain sometimes, sometimes takes. And here it's, it's imperative, it says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Those are strong words, right? And when, when Scripture tells us these things in such strong words, we better be listening, that your religion would be worthless. And it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after others, orphans, widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So keeping a rein on your tongue. One of the things that I, I know that I have to, to deal with is that when we're having a, a discussion or if I'm having a discussion with someone and they're talking to me, sometimes I, I find myself formulating my response. You ever done that? As they're talking to you, you're thinking, okay, well, I can say this, 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 and this. I would hazard a guess that you're not listening as well as you should be, as well as you can be, if you're formulating your response already in your brain. Now, we can multitask. We can do both. We, literally, our brains can, can kind of do both. But when we're focusing more on what we're going to say than what is being said, then we're not listening. And that goes with God. If I'm formulating ways to, to get to the edge of the, the narrow path, or, or if I can do this, this, and this, or is this okay, or is that okay, then we're not listening to what God is saying. God is calling us to this standard of righteousness and holiness. And again, I, I know, I know that, that we have to have that as what we long for in our lives. And that we regret the times that we've made mistakes and we regret the sin in our lives and we repent of those things. And that's why it's in God's word. So that we can understand that there is an avenue back. But that's not the, that's not the first choice. It shouldn't be the first choice. The first choice is to listen and to do. Always. Always. To listen and to do. Do we understand that Jesus is calling? Not, not having called in past tense, even though that is true as well. But right now, this very, this very moment, go back into Luke. Luke chapter 6, 
And I would, uh, I would highly encourage you to read all of Luke chapter 6 today if you have the time. Let me rephrase that. I would highly encourage you to read all of Luke chapter 6 and make the time. Um, it's, it's great, and it says quite a bit, but I want to read just the very last uh, four verses here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a, a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. What's the difference between the two? They both built a house, right? They both hear, hear the word of God, and in response, they build this house. Right? So what's, what's the difference? Are we, are we willing to accept wisdom from God? Instruction from God? Now he breaks it down and says, the one who hears and responds, the one who hears the word and does something about it, who does what it says, is like a man who goes out and builds on a foundation. Now, obviously the foundation here is who? The foundation on which we build is who? is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, our Messiah. The difference is that. Then the one who goes out and builds, who builds on that which is just the ground, which is the world, and builds that foundation solely on that, and when trouble comes, when the storm comes, when the torrent comes, and the house is laid flat, and they say, but wait, I heard the word and I built a house. And I called on your name, Lord, Lord. And he says, but I don't know you. The difference is, again, what? <coughs> Excuse me. The difference is the foundation of hearing the word and listening, building on a foundation of Jesus. Are you willing to accept wisdom from God? Open up God's word and see what it says about life, about eternity about our actions now. Are you willing to accept the wisdom of God? Because it is just really easy to make our own choices and decisions. Right? Something happens and you respond. So I do this, I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. The world offers this, I can take that, I can do this. And it's just easy. The, the path is wide. And you can zigzag all over the place and you never get off the wide path because every step you take in any direction, the path just gets wider. <coughs> Consider your response to the Word of God. And that answers the next question, or the first question. Are you willing to accept wisdom from God?
consider your response to date. Consider your response today. Consider your responses tomorrow. And they will show whether we are willing or not. But do so understanding what eternity looks like. We are all here because God created the world. God has given us life. Physically, God has given us life. He breathed life into man. He made us in his image. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. He has instructed us on how to do that. In fact, when we've walked away and broken that relationship, He created an avenue in which for us to come back, His Son. And He is out there calling for us to come to Him. Draw near to God. Consider your response to that. How do we choose to live? How do we choose to speak? Are we willing to humble ourselves before the Lord. Your eternity will be dictated by your response. If your, if your response is, nah, put it off, one of arrogance, one of pride, one of denial, then Scripture is clear. And I cannot be more blunt than this. Scripture is clear. That path leads to destruction. It leads away from God. If we are to, as, as Peter did, to recognize who Jesus is as Lord and recognize who we are before him as sinful men and then understand that God has given us an avenue to come out of that and are willing to hear, actually hear and listen and do what it says, then that path leads to God. It leads to God and an eternity of life because we will be in the presence of God who is life, the giver of life, the creator of life. And so those are very, three very easy things to think about. Are you willing to accept wisdom from God? And again, the words that we may say in response to that pale in comparison to the actual response and the view of our response to it. So consider your response. Are you willing to accept wisdom from God? But in doing so, understand the eternity that comes from that. So, I challenge you to read Luke chapter 6 today, sometime before next week, but today... Go ahead and re read that. But also to be a fisher. A fisher of men. For those who have responded to the gospel, that is our call. And for those who haven't, understand what that means. Understand what that means in your response to the acceptance of wisdom that comes from God. And if you have questions on that, if you have thoughts on that, if you have a desire to change that standing, do not wait. Do not put it off. Do not turn it aside, but come to one of the elders, come to myself, to someone that, that you trust in the wisdom of, of Christ to, to lead you in the right way, to, to come back to him. Because Jesus is calling. 
Do not turn away. Do not turn away. 